tales, the freaky tales. These are the tales that I tell so well you don't like my dirty raps. You can go to hell because short dogs on the mic telling cocktails. All right, that's it. That's all. We got the college pop popping off. This isn't Nick Schill. Uh, unfortunately, he's under the weather. Uh, apparently, servicing too many dudes in the back of a Denny's parking lot. Uh, and he's laid up in the shop, so to speak. Uh, so he's out on the pod this week. No no week gave for him. We got his picks. We're going to be playing him out. I'm joined by Farky and Memphis Matt tonight. What's up, fellas? What's going on? I'm, curi- I'm curious how that colonoscopy went to, to filter out all that uh, that Burger King and Nick Schill's ass vibe. Oh, man. He putting that doctor through some overtime, getting them double whoppers out from underneath there. I mean, you know you know what? He's probably in there. He ain't in there for no serious I- issues. He's in there to get his stomach pumped. Gross. Oh, that is. That is <laughs> that's some rancid stuff. Um, okay. On that note, let's uh, let's dive right into the college football. Um, I think we can't start this week without spelling redemption, M A T T. Memphis, Matt, you have the floor for thirty seconds. Gloat, man. I'll tell you what, boys. Not only did I back it up in college football, but that that uh, that NFL little streak was tasty too. I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, I'm trying to bounce back, trying to save some face. Um, in this little uh, little league of ours, but uh, you know what? I'm not going to gloat too much. I got some work to do. Still, uh, I mean, God, I'm still four four wins out of uh, third place in a four man league, so I'm not going to sit here and gloat. But uh, I'd like to think I can turn it around a little bit. There's plenty of time left on the table, and we'll see what happens this week. I mean, let don't let math get in the way. You're six games back at third place. Uh, you went eleven and two last week, eleven two and one, and you're still. 18 games below 500. That is, you you have had a hell of a season. I'll give you credit, though. You've been a lot more consistent in NFL, so props where props do. Memphis Matt came back with the vengeance last week and uh, got back into the the picture here and, you know, maybe hold off, hold off on buying those diapers just yet. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I'm, you know, normally Matt's not my strong suit, but I can add 44 to, and 62 and I get 106 and I add your 48 and 56 I get 108, so I'm kind of curious on how we uh, and we have the same amount of ties. So I'm kind of curious how I'm two games, you know, off on you when we've picked the same amount of games this year, right? I have to check the previous record actually. So you had 33. He's right. He's right. What's that? Who's right? Old Memphis. You know, everybody Old else Bourbon got 104 boy. games total. Uh, well, actually, I mean, I. Man, these these numbers are out of whack. I, I'm glad the listening public can't see these numbers. I'm glad we're dragging on this stupid shit. <laughs> yeah, um, well, we have to we'll argue, argue, and how many, and check the old Memphis Matt record because 33 and 58 last week. Um, hey, how good is 33 and 58, ah, Parky? It's it's about as bad as it gets. I mean, you, we're trying to defend how many games you are under 500. Ain't yeah, good. it's not good, boys. The losses 11. are legit, though. So that's probably the inherent problem is, is if the losses are right, then we got to update the win total to correspond with that. But we'll get that corrected. But whether it's four or six, you're still bringing up the rear. What else is new? And uh, we'll see this week. Hey, I'll tell you what. What I know is that Shill is leading the pack. But at the end of the day, he's chilling out in a hospital bed eating jello from a, a, a spork. So I know I'm winning in life. The rest of us are too. So we're good. Subtle. Effective. I'm really, really sympathetic to his uh, to his plight or his, uh, his issues here. But, okay, so we'll dive in. Uh, let's, let's talk playoff picture real quick. Who are your four teams? Farky, what do you got? My four teams are basically where the rankings are. I just don't see how it's any different at this point. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame in that order. I think it's going to be incredibly difficult for a fifth team to crack into that order unless Ohio State has a slip-up against Michigan or, God forbid, Alabama loses to somebody in the SEC, which I don't see happening. So you you guys may have something different, but uh, nothing earth-shattering there. That's mine. Nader, any argument there? No, not too much argument for me. I, 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 I tend to agree with Farky there. I don't I don't know how you can put any other four teams in there. Um it, you know, it's I think I think the two big slip ups you, you could see going forward are, 
you know, obviously Ohio State and Alabama. I think Notre Dame's got a clear path uh, to making it in. So does Clemson. So those those other two teams are the only ones I can see slipping up. And I damn sure don't see Alabama slipping up. So we'll leave it to the team in Columbus to maybe ruin the party. Yeah, I mean, what I will say, and, and we had uh, Red Jay following uh, uh, along all um, the Notre Dame game. He came out very early on and said this is a game that we could easily lose against uh, Pitt this past week as a Notre Dame fan. And they gave them an absolute scare. Now, will Notre Dame get righted and rebound, or will we see more of those? They have a couple more games like that. The law of averages are probably going to strike, and and they're probably going to get nipped here. But... And, and always the last two, three games of the season seem to be harder. Um, now, Notre Dame won't have that that conference championship, which probably benefits them, so it's one less game to kind of slip up in. Um, and, you know, all Ohio State fans, are they have that, that date there in November looming. And and I think certainly um, in light of the, Joe, the, the Nick Bosa news, uh, which we kind of – highlighted and I know Memphis Matt you said that as well that it was going to be suspect whether or not he can make it back and you know certainly that seems to be playing itself out and and he's shut it down and dropped out of school so unfortunate for Ohio State uh it's probably best for Nick Bosa and his future success but at the same time uh, it does bring a little bit of of the college football you know issues uh into focus and will continue to until some of these things have a way of kind of addressing themselves financially in some capacity you know, if I can speak a little bit on that, I, I don't want to dwell on it too much. And I'm only going to speak on it just because I know a little bit about what um, Nick Bosa, most, in most likelihood, the surgery that he had. And, you know, realistically, I, you know, I'm not going to sit here. Yeah, I wish he was back. Um, and obviously it's a detriment to the team. I'm not going to sit here and kill a kid when he's probably going to be the number one overall pick um, and guaranteed money. But, you know, we're not talking about an ACL tear or a PCL tear or something like that. We're talking about something that basically has very little side effects. It's a very easy injury to come overcome. The surgery is not very problematic. Uh, you know, I think we're kind of maybe seeing a little bit of, um, I don't know, coddling on, on his part here. This is not a serious injury, like I said, um, but I'm not going to kill the guy over it. Um, but I don't, I, I don't see this affecting his draft stock at all. And I don't see it ever becoming a problem ever again in the future. So that being said, um, you know, just a little grain of salt there with Nick Bosa and kind of bailing out on his teammates. Yeah. Farky, any uh, take there? Just something interesting is there were some rumors floating around that he may have had a setback in his rehab. So if that was the case, then that could have scared him off. Uh, That was my understanding, at least to somewhat of an extent. He had to go back to Philly on Monday morning and see, you know, a specialist, and I just think it's unfortunate that Ohio State fans just assumed that he was going to be able to be up and healthy um, without knowing the specifics there. If he had any of that, or if there was the potential or high probability there, or he had some issues, then it's a little bit of a moot point. It's a silly one, and it's not comparable to Fournette. It's not comparable to even Denzel last year. It's just not. It's not an a, a fair comp for him. That said, I do think. He's, he's the best. He, it's far and away he's the best defensive lineman. He's either going one or two, depending on if if the Giants are at one, they have to take a quarterback. That said, you do have to be suspicious of both he and his brother. He blew his knee out in high school. His brother was dinged up in college. He's been dinged up in the pros. He held out. There is a little bit of that, but it's not this Ohio State fan kind of negativity. It's a whole different concern um, that no different than Miles Garrett, than Clowney, than Mario Williams had. There, it's not motors as much when he plays, but is he a little injury prone? I think that's a fair critique, but you have to kind of make sure it's it's a separate critique than well he's not playing because he doesn't want to. I don't I don't think that's necessarily the case. Well, and also if if anyone knows anything about his father, I think there's some chirping and some influence there because from everything I've seen, heard, and read about him, he's somewhat of an arrogant prick. So he could he could be pushing. Some that of this definitely along plays as well. a factor, and I mean, you know, he he played in the NFL himself. He knows the meat market that it is. So he he's that, but he's also in the know a lot more to how some of this stuff works. Yeah, and I I think that's fair. I I think it's um you know this injury is more of something that you know basically. 
uh, breaking a bone. Like, you know, like as long as we're, we don't have a displaced fracture, you know, we, we know that we let it sit for eight weeks, it heals and we're back to full, we're full strength. That's basically what this is here. I mean, we're not tearing a ligament. We're not tearing a tendon. Uh, we're not well, doing. Did you re- see the report though, that there was a supposedly some groin implications to this as well? I, I did. And you know, that's, that's part of the reason why they're not, they're not really in, you know, it, it, it doesn't make sense for all that stuff to come out now because then you'll have the NFL guys probing and and it's almost better to hide their injury and bury it all now than have to deal with it and the uncertainty of it will come draft time. So it's kind of a tricky spot for him and, and kind of his quote-unquote team to, to be kind of surrounded with. So how it actually came off now is kind of um, left it at, at just kind of a clean break. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think they, they're playing it a little odd. Um, and like I said, man, I'm not going to kill the kid. You know, if, if somebody offered me $30 million uh, to leave a team and whatever, I I would do it. I mean, you know, that's – we're all faced with that choice. I just uh, – I, I, I'm – I'm not, you know, I, I know the Boses are injury prone. This one, this one doesn't scare me that much. And I think it's something that he easily could have come back for, for Michigan and whatever bowl game that they end up playing in, especially if they play in the playoffs where we've got extended period of rest. That being said, um, appreciate what Nick Bosa did for the university. And um, he's a hell of a player, man. We're going to miss him. Yep. So let's dive into these week eight games. Uh, we're going to fire off. So we went three, one and one last week. So a little bounce back. We're 24 and 26. Um, so we're still kind of in the red, but a little bit of momentum being built here. So hopefully we can kind of build upon that. We don't have show here to be our wet blanket. We do have his picks, so we'll be throwing those in. And then we'll see what shakes out from consensus and then what we kind of lay on. And there's a couple other outliers that that I've thrown out there. Uh, And then we'll kind of follow our Twitter handle along the way there just to see what else we have. So uh, NEG Pod CFB is the Twitter handle. And obviously the the Glory Podcast Network, um, you know, across the board. So did a fantasy NFL preview this earlier this evening. That'll be out tomorrow as well. So week eight games. We're going to dive right into it. Stanford on the road. Is this tomorrow night or Friday night? I think it's tomorrow night, right? It is tomorrow night. At Herm, Arizona State. Farky, we'll open with you. I think it's only fitting that we do since I'm going to go ahead and and bust this consensus pick, taking Stanford here minus the three where we have it right now. Just a few things to watch. And the first thing is kind of beating a dead horse is Bryce Love. We've talked about him every week, and it's because he's the biggest part of this offense and, and frankly, probably as much as anybody in the country to a team. Uh, After having a week off, he's back. We need to keep an eye on that. Is this going to be his big first explosive game that he's had this season? Um, Even when he's been somewhat healthy this year, uh, still hasn't even sniffed what he was able to produce last year. Uh, Arizona State, they're getting both quarterbacks back. Um, They've had kind of a dual quarterback threat throughout the season coming off that bye week. Um, They're getting the Wilkins kid and uh, Harry, uh, Nikhil Harry. The Wilkins kid's been a little more consistent. Um, Well, Harry's a wide receiver, but I'm sorry. He's wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's healthy. Sorry, sorry, he's healthy. But anyway, uh, with the Wilkins kid back, he should be all right. Um, I think that'll help them. I think it'll keep this game close. Uh, I, I still don't trust Arizona State, even though they played better against the big plays this year. Stanford thrives off, strives off the big plays, especially going deep this year. They've had some success. Um, so I'm looking at them to at least cover this three. I don't think it'll be a blowout. And unfortunately, even though I was I was hoping to kill Herm Edwards this year, I think at three and three, it's still somewhat of exceeding expectations for what they've done. But give me Stanford here. Nader. <laughs> I was just getting ready to say, I, I mean, at this point in this, uh, the season, has Herm Edwards exceeded expectations? And Farkey basically just laid that out for me. Um, you know, I feel like we might be – Getting in that time of season where we could have a David Shaw blow up a little bit. Um, I'm still not in love with KJ Costello. And it's funny, we, like Farky touched on the injuries with Bryce Love. We talked about it all year last year. He either seemed to play hurt basically all season. Uh, We haven't really seen that great bounce back from him this year. I like Arizona State here. And I wouldn't be afraid to toss a little little gravy on that, uh, that money line at home. So, 
Give me the Sun Devils. Uh, <laughs> I am a hundred percent with you here, Memphis Matt. Uh, I don't, obviously we don't know Shill's take because just get that out of the way. He's got ASU. I've got Herm in all caps written across here. I love this spot. They're three and zero at home. I love the money line here. Uh, they're they're four and two against the spread. Uh, I mentioned the home stat, and it just feels like a David Shaw. Oops, I cropped my pants game. It's the weekday game. All those. Arizona State co-eds and it's going to be a massive party uh they'll be all lubed up ready to go be be some great crowd shots in this uh I'll start to get envious because obviously it's getting cold here in northeast Ohio Sparky you know you obviously don't have to to deal or prepare with that um you know down there in Florida but I, I I think this is a great spot for for Arizona State uh Probably one of the more comfortable ones I've got across the board here, just because I do not trust David Shaw in this environment and in this situation. And Stanford this year isn't as physical as they've been in years past, which I think is a big component because they've gotten by because of throwing jump balls to some guys. I just think Arizona State's going to get after them and really kind of rough up Costello. So I, I love the Sun Devils in this one. Hey, let me ask you a question before we move on. Throw out the Vegas odds and everything and all the bookmaker odds. What were your odds on Herm Edwards being 3-3 three and three at this point in the season, 4-2 and two against the spread? So here's what I would say. The spread, I don't put because I think he was going to get a lot of negative, and we were kind of looking to fade him a lot right out of the gate. We just couldn't find places to fade him. I think the Michigan State was a surprise win, but then – I would have expected them to beat San Diego State. So it kind of felt like they're exactly where, if you're doing the schedule game, which we know Nick and Akron loves, um, they're actually probably right where you'd expect them to be. This is a pivot game. This, If they win this game, he's exceeded expectations this year. That's how I would, how I would think of it personally. What do you think, Farky? I do. I said. I said he did. He at four and two. How could you debate it? You can't. They've, well, they've three and three, spread. but four and two against the spread. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, four and two he's against been the way spread. better against the spread than we anticipated. I grant that without a doubt. Yeah, I, I hate saying it. <laughs> All right, now the big matchup, uh, or at least you know, for my gloating or what I've been kind of pointing to all season long, we have the Michigan Wolverines. Got it at six and a half, at least as of this moment. It's kind of oscillating between there and seven. Um, at Michigan State, East Lansing, big win for Michigan State last week. Memphis, Matt, what do you got in this one? So I was on Michigan State here until I realized and I remembered in my drunken haze from last weekend that they got a big win last weekend on the road. Um, so I've switched my pick to Michigan and I, I will let you guys know that I was all over Michigan last. I, I loved Michigan at seven and a half last year or last weekend. Then it moved to nine and a half and I decided to bet with Wisconsin and right, <laughs> right about before the game started. If you guys remember, Nick Schill sent out a text that said, how the hell does Wisconsin think they're going to score tonight? And I thought, well, I fucked this one up pretty bad. And lo and behold, <laughs> We saw what happened, and I did. Um, I was 11-2 and two last week, um, and yet one of the games I bet was Wisconsin, so that was really neat. Um, look, Farky will, I'm sure, attest to this. This is typically about the time of year where I start jumping on D'Antonio's back um, and riding him like a beaten horse, but considering he had that big win last weekend, um, it's, it's time to fade them. Um, they're really not the team that we thought they would be this this year. I think they had a nice win last week and whatever, but um, uh, give me Michigan. All right, I'm going Michigan here. They are knocking on the door of that win total over, as I called. I said all along, talent-wise, this is a no contest. Literally, they, they, they stopped the fight in the third round. What I think we've seen from Michigan now, and they've not done it pretty in some of these games, but we're seeing balance. 200 yards passing, 215 yards rushing. You know, 35 minutes on the field, run 65, 66 plays a game. Yards per play has steadily increased week after week after the Notre Dame game, which again is a brutal matchup in hindsight. That's two top 10 teams playing that at the time maybe didn't have as much notoriety or pub then. Um, I think folks felt like both teams were solid, but. 
you know, by comparison to the landscape of college football this year, they're clearly two top ten teams. Um, with that in mind, I just Rashawn Gary's the one little watch out. It's an arm injury. He's questionable. I would expect he plays in this. Uh, Tarek Black, the wide receiver, still out. Uh, so you know, some a little bit. Uh, Solomon is is out with a knee, so that's a big loss for for Michigan. But that said, I just it makes too much sense. L.J. Scott from Michigan State's kind of dinged up, questionable. They got a handful of guys on their end. I, I think this is a, this is a payback game for some of the the years past, and uh, I'd like to think that Harbaugh gets things righted and, and you know pulls out this game and starts the gauntlet of of their schedule. I believe. I think they got Penn State next week or in two weeks, so um, that'll be a tough spot. I'll wholeheartedly admit that, but uh, I, I like the Wolverines in this one. So and, and Shill does as well. So that. Sparky, we have a consensus. We do have a consensus. Uh, not shocking because I've been with you following along Michigan since the preseason. We talked about that win total, and this will be just another uh, tip of the hat, cap, feather in the cap, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they're they're pretty much going to run through this gauntlet from what I see, especially after what they did over there. Dominated Wisconsin last week. Uh, regardless of what we talk about Wisconsin year in and year out, they're tough at home against the run that, you know, they usually have bulls up front on the defensive line and Michigan just dominated them for 300 plus yards on the ground. Uh, Michigan state will be the toughest defense they've played probably since Notre Dame week one, but, uh, and actually Michigan state's uh, allowed us shockingly low number of uh, yards per carry against opponents. Although um, the one reason I think that they flipped the script on that this week against them is that they gave up some long chunks of yardage against Penn State, which was uncharacteristic of what they've done this season. So I like them get the run game going early. Uh, I don't think Michigan's going to have to divert to the passing game, although when they have run the ball well, it's opened things up for Shea Patterson. He's been able to be a little more comfortable and confident in the pocket. And Michigan State, frankly, just they do they have a weak pass rush. So if they do end up airing it out, I think that the Spartans flop and then this thing could get away from them. But keep in mind, even though we don't particularly care about these stats too much, Michigan has not covered against Michigan State in the last 10 years. That's right. I think that's where... Just hoping on uh, redemption here from Harbaugh and company. So we'll, we shall see. Uh, so this line's moved quite a bit. We got OU minus eight now at TCU. So kind of uh, just checked and updated here. It looks like that it might even be in some books trending up towards eight and a half in some spots. So kind of bear that in mind, you know, as we're taping this right now. I'm taking the Sooners here. I just, I like the spot. TCU is just kind of gone south a little bit um, since the Ohio State game. Just not sharp, uh, and it's just kind of gotten a little ugly on them. The quarterback play has been atrocious, uh, and they're just not getting any explosive plays anymore like like they had previously got. They just look tired and ragged, and it's not the type of team that you want to be playing when you're in that scenario. And for OU, now they've got to start the window dressing, and I think it's got to start this week. And then, you know, the rest of the season and then, you know, into that Big 12 tramp championship game, maybe try and get some uh, some redemption back from, from the recent Texas loss. So we shall see because they shuffle it in the best two teams play from what I understand. So I'm taking Boomer Sooner here and uh, Shills along with me. Farky, what do you got? I'm with you. And I'm going to go ahead and wave the white flag here with TCU. Uh Heading into the Ohio State game, I would—I even mentioned it on the preview pod this year. I, I liked TCU to upset Oklahoma and possibly win the conference. But uh, after what I've seen since the Ohio State game, I, I can't do that. Um, Oklahoma's made some changes on defense. We'll see how that plays out. I could go one way or the other, but uh, I, I do like Oklahoma to cover here at TCU. Nader, aver TCU averaging 16 points the last three games after the Ohio State game. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually more concerned with the fact that TCU is almost averaging three turnovers a game. That's a real problem for me. Um, I, you know, it, this is a – ever since they, they played Ohio State, I, I think they gave it their all there and realized that they just came out on the wrong end. Uh, 15 turnovers through six games is piss poor. Um, and, you know, that's a real it, – it's, it's just – it's not a good recipe for disaster, especially sitting at three and three. I, I figured we we'd be sitting a lot better with TCU, and unfortunately, it doesn't make that win look as good for Ohio State. But I, you know, Ohio State controls their own destiny no matter what. So, 
Um, I'm okay with that, but give me OU, and it looks like we got a consensus here. Yep, so we'll just kind of book that in that column and uh, come back to that stuff at the end. Next game, um, a little interesting one. We're not talked a ton, and when we have, it's usually in disgrace for both programs. Uh, Maryland, uh, fresh off of the August uh, de- um, debacle they had with, with a, a player. And then they're at Iowa, who's laying 10, at least uh, from last check here. It's I'm seeing some 9.5 as well, but we've got it for 10 here for the sake of the pod. Um, Farky, who you got in this? So this is one that I think is going to be one of the more competitive games of the week. Uh, again, another team, Maryland, heading into the season with everything, all the stuff that happened with the, the coaching and the, the player passing away and all that. We really thought it was going to be a t- train wreck of a season. Then they end up here now 4-2. and two. Iowa, at the same time, I haven't been on board with them all year. They fly in 5-1. and one. Uh, Maryland's playing on the road. Uh, the interesting dynamic, I think, is the fact that Maryland has one of the best run run attacks in the country, and then also Iowa's defense has been very stout against the run this year. So uh, with those two dynamics playing out, I think it keeps it a close enough game. I think they turn up a lot of clock, and I think it's a low-scoring game, but I don't think that Iowa covers the 10 at home. So give me Maryland. Memphis, Matt? I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going with corn this weekend. Um, You know (laughs) – I, I like you're joined, with, you're joined with Nick Schill, so I think that's something that's that's quite the pairing there. That dude loves corn casserole. Corn casserole is garbage. I won't eat it at Thanksgiving this week. Um, you know what I've been impressed with is Nate Stanley this year. 1,500 yards passing, 15 touchdowns. Um, I like I like Iowa at home. I You know, I Maryland had a – didn't they – they blew they blew out Rutgers last weekend. Is that who they, they blew out? I mean, who doesn't blow out Rutgers? Yeah, I mean, they but, uh, they stink. Yeah, I'll dial it up here. Let me give you the last said 34-7 against Rutgers. Yeah, but Maryland's rolling in town. You know what? They, they probably think they're hot shit coming off a 34-7 win over Rutgers. They're not. Um, give me Iowa. Give me Kirk Ferentz <laughs> at home, uh, minus the 10. I think it's like a, you know, uh, 31-14 game, 31-10 game, something like that. So give me Iowa. So with Maryland, you know, obviously everybody points to the Texas game this season, but actually I I I want to speak more specifically the Minnesota blowout 42-13 end of September. That one is the one that pops a little bit more to me. Uh, Farkey's dead on there. Maryland gets 250 yards rushing versus Iowa defense that yields just about 82 a game. Um, they both are going to run low 60s in plays, uh, so you, you should kind of see this game plot al- or move along and not plot along. Uh, and with that in mind, I just I don't think Iowa is good enough, record notwithstanding, to lay ten against a fairly competent team in the Big Ten here. Uh, I, I like Maryland in the points, uh, but obviously this will be something we we'll have to keep an eye on points wise um, where that fluctuates at. Um, so I think Farky and I on on the Terps, uh, Memphis Matt and Nick Schill on Team Corn, which is uh, fascinating in and of itself. So. Next game we'll get to here, uh, I mean, a real barn burner. We just added it. I actually thought I'd get cursed at from putting it on here, but I wanted to because I actually like the spot. Uh, Cincy at Temple. Laying, Temple is uh, laying three to Cincy. Memphis, Matt, who do you have? Yeah, look, hey, Cincy making a debut in the top 25, right, with Luke Fickle. My concern here is, is Cincy's schedule has been crap. I mean – uh, we've got Tulane, Connecticut. Connecticut is so bad. I, I mean, maybe the worst. 49-7. I mean, maybe maybe one of the worst defenses, if not the worst defense in the country. Um, you know, but hey, look, he's got the Bearcats flying high. I I like Cincinnati in this spot here, uh, getting three points at Temple. Temple shouldn't be a favorite to anybody. I don't give a rat's ass if they're at home. Give me the Bearcats. Give me Luke Fickle. I love the Temple win against Navy, um, and then basically they're kind of geared up for this one. They pounded East Carolina before that. They gave Boston College um, all that they could handle. Uh, so, I, interestingly enough, I, th- I think Temple here, I'm going to take them. I actually think they win this fairly comfortably. I don't think Cincinnati's equipped to be able to go in and, and kind of handle Temple. I mean, that's the Temple Dome is a hell of a tough place to play, uh, as any one of us well know. Uh, so I'm taking the Temple Owls in this one. Shill's with me. Farky, are you? I am with you. I'm taking Temple at home. Um, you know, this 
just outstanding American Athletic Conference that now Cincinnati sits the top of. Uh, I'm not buying into that, especially when they don't have any type of signature win. Uh, another win that Temple has, at least, was against a, a decent Maryland team that we just mentioned, uh, beat them by 21. So with that win and, um, you know, what I've seen from Cincinnati's schedule, in fact, I, I feel like this is a must-win game for Temple with three other teams in the conference, UCF, USF, and mentioned Cincinnati this week, um, who haven't lost. They need to get some type of big win statement win, and it is at home. So I like Temple here. Yeah, these teams are pretty evenly matched, um, and obviously I think the, the line just indicates the, the home field advantage here, but uh, I think you know the three of us see it one way, and old Memphis Matt sees it another, so he can make a game up on, uh, on the three people ahead of him in the standings, so we shall see. So next game, the, maybe one of the bigger signature games of the weekend, we got NC State heading into Clemson. Clemson 17-point favorites at least, and that one seems to be oscillating a little bit. It opened at, uh, I think, even like, or preseason line was like 19 and a half, 20. Um, now it's since came down. I've seen down to 16, 16 and a half. Uh, so for the sake of it, it seems like it's back up. Um, so I'm going to have it here at 17 for the sake of, of everything. It's my turn. Shill's got NC State himself. I've got NC State. I'm taking the quarterback Finley here and just doing enough. I think both defenses have shown a propensity to give up big plays, which I think is a little bit of a watch out. I actually like the over a lot here. That might be something that we discuss separately as we uh, hit the text chain after this and, and then as we follow up as, as the Twitter handle goes along um, up to game day. But uh, So I might push the over a little bit. Uh, but I actually like NC State with the points as well. I think Clemson wins, but 17's a hell of a lot, and I'll take the Wolfpack. I will. Oh, you got Shill there with NC State as well. Yeah, so I'm with there. you. I'm with. I'm with you guys. NC State. Uh, I don't think the game's ever really in doubt for Clemson. I think they can. It's maybe take a quarter, quarter and a half for them to extend the lead a little bit. I like it. Um, you know, to maybe be. Uh, 14 and a half point, 14 point win or so. Uh, the defense at NC State's shown this year. Their front seven's still been pretty tough. Um, again, I, I don't think it's a game that, that we're going to be saying, oh, upset, upset, who's sneaking into the top four, but I think NC State keeps it close enough for this cover. Nader. Yeah, I, I think we've got a lot of value here on NC State, actually, Jay. And you, you said 14, uh, 14 points. I was going to say, you know, I. I feel like this should be around 13 and a half, 14. So I, I agree with you, man. I, I think we've got a lot of value on NC State. Um, but I would say with a grain of salt next week, if you want to fade NC State next week's the week after coming off, you know, a couple decently difficult games, you know, they played uh, Virginia and Boston College. Now we've got Clemson. And then next week they got Syracuse. And we know they're going to be, a, you know, a favorite there. So it might be a chance to fade them, but this week I'm riding with uh, the Wolfpack. Yeah, I like that call there, Nader. And I actually think, you know, it's interesting you mentioned 17. My first instinct on this was the line should have been 14, 14 and a half. Uh, it just it, it feels like there's a little bit of a premium here. I don't necessarily understand it, um, but, you know, maybe it's thinking that, that Lawrence really kind of blows up in this one. They get out early. But I think Finley can make enough plays that they can kind of crawl back. And even if, if Clemson's up, you know, 21, you know, 20, 23, you can get that late backdoor cover um, just on the heels of, of him making a play here, you know, the last five, six minutes of a game. So consensus, and that's probably one we're going to be locking in at, um, but, you know, we'll cover that again at the end. Next game, Colorado Buffalo Buffalo's tough loss against USC late Saturday night. They go to Washington, who is laying 15. Farky, what do you got? I like Washington here. Uh, home game, of course. Uh, Colorado hasn't been a team that overly impressed me. I know I took them, I think, against most of the group against Arizona State, but uh, just felt that was a good spot for them. But uh, here on a bounce-back game, like you mentioned, against uh, with the loss against Oregon last week, it was an overtime loss, tough loss. Uh, we've talked about Oregon on this pod week in and week out about being a sneaky good team, um, great quarterback leadership. That's, that's a not an embarrassing loss for them. So, <laughs> excuse me. I like Washington to cover here at home against a team that I think is just a little bit above average in Colorado. Memphis, Matt. Hey, look, I haven't done too many things well this year, but 
I, uh, unit and I were talking about Sean Z and I were talking about it last weekend, but, uh, my preseason pick of Washington under 10 and a half games crossed the line last weekend. So I just want to let those listeners know if they were, if they jumped on that, you've already cashed that ticket home. So congrats. Courtesy of old Memphis, Matt. Congrats to you. Um, you know, last week, actually we didn't do a pod, but my favorite bet last week was USC minus the seven. And it was solely based off of what Colorado had done in their previous five games um, in the teams they had played. I still think Colorado's got some talent. And, you know, I, I've talked about it this year. Uh, I don't love Jake Browning's, uh, you know, regression over the years. He's basically the Maria Pizzino of college football. He gets oh, worse as on. time goes on. <laughs> so, um, look, I, like, I, I think Colorado getting 15 here. I like him in this spot coming off that tough loss. Feel like they maybe learned a little bit uh, about themselves last weekend, so I can see this being a ten-point game. So give me the buffs. Oh man, you're a cold some bitch. <laughs> um, hey, the old Vic I'm McGoy. just going to say, I'm going to say, uh, we got it. I'm just going to say this. I, hey, that's my old girl. Yeah, um, I don't think Colorado can effectively score. I think Washington's in a nice, you know, kind of bounce back blowout type spot. Um, obviously, a huge letdown. They're out of the picture. Uh, but they can still, you know, kind of um, crawl their way back into the fold here. You never know. It's not like Oregon. Oregon's got a brutal game here we'll get to. Um, so they can kind of find a way to kind of nuzzle back into this and, and still play for that kind of Rose Bowl, which for them would still be big. Um, and I think, you know, some of the pressure off them. I just don't think Colorado's going to be able to go to from USC now up, up to um, – to Washington and be able to kind of take care of business. I don't think they score enough. I think 15 is just right. If it was above 17, then maybe. But I, I like the Huskies in this one uh, for those reasons. And it's similar a little bit to last week where, you know, I think Show was like, I don't trust Hornybrook. I just don't trust, tr- trust Colorado to be able to put up the points um, to be able to, to stay with the Washington team that probably is due for some level of a breakout. So, we shall see. Uh, Shill on this is with you, Memphis, Matt. A theme, it seems like. Uh, he's taking the Buffaloes in this one uh, and, and the 15 points. Probably no doubt saying too many points, so he's snatching up the Buffaloes in this one. So, uh, sadly, we have this on here. I don't really even know why we have it on here with uh, without old Sick Boy um, because he's the one intrinsically attached to this. Uh, Akron zips, minus four. At Kent, um, Nader, what do you have here? Um, I mean, this is basically a toss-up of when you graduate, whose degree is more useless? Um, so, <laughs> oh man, the, the best is, is you know from this hospital bed with you know one ear that may still work. Um, Nick, Nick, and Akron's going to be sitting here just stewing and brewing over this. I got to be honest with you, man. If you graduate from one of these two schools, I'm impressed that you can even get a job that offers health insurance. Um, I'm I'm so, solely going Kent because it's at home. I don't give a rat's ass about either of these teams. They're both crap. Give me Kent. And I'm just looking here. It's actually um, it's at three. Um, so it opened at five. And now it's at three. So I, I doubt that that probably makes a significant difference from from your point of view, um, Memphis Matt. Because the funny thing is, is I think it was was it this year or last year where you felt like you could walk on at Kent right now. Well, I mean, was that last year? If if we, I mean, I don't think I don't think I thought I could, but I remember them putting out a Twitter like a Twitter handle asking anybody that they needed like defensive backs, offensive linemen and backup snappers. I mean, dude, all I'm trying to think of is what school did Farky and I go at, go to their campus, get more hammered at each weekend. I would say and you went with Ken. Ken. It was probably Ken. Yeah. Yeah. I would, uh, well, I'd have to agree there. Um, I, I mean, there's not a lot to like, you look at the numbers. Holy hell. These teams are bad. Um, Kent runs a shitload of plays, 78 plays a game. They average five yards a play, uh, a little bit better passing yards and rushing yards. Um, defensively, um, I mean, in such a defensively, Kent gives up a shitload more yards 
passing and rushing, but that might be indicative of, of who they're they're necessarily playing. I mean, when you got a rivalry game like this, guys, you know it. You just throw the records out the door. You got a good old fashioned slobber knocker. In this case, I'm taking Akron. I don't have any rhyme or reason other than I maybe trust Bowden more than whoever that that coach for Kent is, the Lewis guy or whoever the hell he is. I mean, why the hell are we even talking about this game? <laughs> we might have to make an executive decision where we strike it, um, just for our record. Don't strike it. Just at least, you know, especially, does anyone have, yeah, two people have Kent, so let's keep it because it can at least go towards scoring. But, I mean, wow, we're talking about Matt College football heating up this week as these two collide with each other. Mike. God, why it, is this I, not a Friday I, or Thursday night game? Or hell, why are they playing tonight right now where we can get lit up talking this, like doing play-by-play? Um, I'll tell you one thing. One thing you're going to see in this game is a ton of brain power out of both student sections in the stadium. <laughs> there ain't going to um, be any students at this one, man. You know what? To hell with it. I, I will say I guess Akron has something to play for to try to get the six wins to make a bowl. Um Kent's one and five. And by the way, that was the Kent State game last year that we talked about Memphis Matt uh, possibly trying out for the team. I believe you, Sean, um, compared what he would put on the field as a product similar to Kenny Britt being just lazy and just walking routes out on the field. Um, Akron. I have Akron here trying to make a bowl game. That's That's it. That's a blast from the past with Kenny Britt there. All right, uh, so we're broken down. Uh, Shill's going against his alma mater and taking uh, the Golden Flashes. Um, so, so uh, old Nick and Akron and, and Memphis Matt on the uh, the Golden Flashes this week, which is it is it is fascinating. Uh, the next game, Mississippi State at LSU. Huge win coming off of LSU's laying seven and a half to the Mississippi State Bulldogs here. I am making a total emotional play against. I'm taking Mississippi State in this one simply because I think LSU's riding a massive high from Georgia. It's a tailor-made spot for maybe a a, a little uh, wet fart from from Eddie O, which um, I think we can all agree that he's probably fairly accustomed to on a daily basis. Uh, I'm taking the Bulldogs here. I think they cover, and they're... I think it's close enough that it's a field goal at the end of the game, so you might might be worth a little money line play just for the hell of it. Shill's with me, but we are opposed against the two. Farky, why do you like LSU? I like LSU more, and I don't disagree with you about them coming off that big win against Georgia. Uh, I hate Eddie O. He's, he's, we thought he'd be riding the fence earlier than this, but... Uh, I don't trust Nick Fitzgerald. I still don't. Um, they are coming off a bye week. I guess there's a, a little value in that. But I'm going to say that uh, Mississippi State's who we've seen them be the last three or four weeks, regardless of the bye week. And I'm going to take LSU to cover at home reluctantly with seven and a half. Memphis Matt. Oh, man, I am with Farkney's faves here. Mississippi State, they are who we thought they are. And we let them off the hook. Listen. Um, there is no letdown here. I mean, I think we can all agree that we thought Eddie O would probably be gone by now, or at least, you know, they, they're, you know, setting up the guillotine. Uh, Eddie O can probably lose out and still keep his job for one more season uh, after beating, uh, bludgeoning uh, Georgia to death at home. Um, I think LSU just, I, you know, it's, I'm, I'm going to piggyback off Fargy again. You know, I like talent. And uh, one of these teams is more talented than the other. So give me the Tigers at home minus the seven and a half. I'm grant you all the talent stuff. I will say this, that it feels like Mississippi State may have figured out Fitzgerald. Don't let him throw the ball and just let him run right into the back crack of his lineman's ass about 15 times a game. And that seems to to be a formula that might be effective enough against LSU. But we'll see. Uh, I don't disagree from a talent perspective. It's head and shoulders, the Tigers. But um, I think, you know, Shell and I are looking at the points and spot and uh, taking the Bulldogs um, nonetheless. Speaking so, of next uh, game. Speaking of head and shoulders, I got a feeling that's what Nick Schill probably washes his balls with, head and shoulders. Not good. Why, why would he do why his, balls? his balls? Probably got dandruff down there. It's not good. Oh, that's tragic. Okay. Um, 
Next game, we're going to lead off with uh, Memphis, Matt. So I don't know about you guys, but I can't wait to see what other tidbit he's got in this one. Uh, we got Oregon, the Ducks, fresh off the huge win against Washington, uh, against the other in, uh, school in Washington that uh, is one of our pod favorite coaches, Leach, Mike Leach, who has not made many an entrance yet this season, but with the rest of the schedule playing out, I suspect we're going to be talking him a lot more. Uh, the Cougars are one and a half point favorites. The lines, you know, one opened at one, maybe been up to two. We've got it one and a half here in front of me. Um, so they're favorites heading into this game in Oregon on the road. Memphis, Matt, what's your breakdown? Yeah, um, that Oregon Washington game was <laughs> a shitload of fun to watch last weekend. And I'll tell you what, I saw uh, game day actually is going to Washington State this year, which is a little odd. It's the first time game day has ever gone to Washington State. Wow. Uh, which is a little bit odd considering one, they've always got the, the damn flag. They've always got yeah, the damn right. flag. But two, you would have th- thought that at some point they would have had a matchup with Washington, Washington State, where game day would be there. Um, that being said, I, I don't think we have a little bit of a letdown here. I think Oregon sees the finish line, um, you know, in front of them. Uh, they can win the Pac 12. Um, outright with uh, if they run the table. Um, I think they've got the talent to do so. Um, I love Leach. Everybody knows that. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think he's got the firepower to do it here. So I think Oregon gets the cover. Um, and I actually think Oregon is a good money line play um, seven or more. So I, I love Oregon here. So I'm the other way. I think after a bye week, uh, I love Washington State here. Leach kind of getting them geared up. I think they do enough. They get out early, and it, it's it's a challenge for Oregon. I think Oregon makes a charge, but but I like the Cougars to hold on. Um, and the reason why Washington Washington State was probably never a game day game is candidly when one team was good, the other wasn't always good, and it would be the same weekend of Ohio State Michigan, Florida Florida State. Auburn, Alabama, it's rivalry weekend at the end of the season. So unfortunately, when they play that game, it's a little bit indicative of that issue, even USC, UCLA. Um, But I would have thought, and I actually recall, and it must have been on the road, Orion Leaf era when he played, but it must have been USC or UCLA when they were on the road and game day was there for for one of those games. But um, so a little fun fact there for for our glorious listeners and, and, you know, that they can be sharp and, and use that as a dinner table topic at some point Friday night or Saturday uh, when that game's tipping off. So uh, Shill is, is with Memphis, Matt. He's got Oregon. Farky, where you at? I'm going Washington State, uh, top-ranked pass offense in the country. Uh, Oregon, or Washington State, I think I said, Oregon has shown some vulnerability against the pass on defense. Uh, I'm not necessarily – Inclined to say it's going to be a letdown game, but I know um, you know it was a, the high energy game last week. So now they come into come into Washington State at home, who uh, has covered the last eight games against the spread at home and last six games overall this season against the spread. So um, a little bit of influence there, maybe for me. But uh, g- give me the the high flying Washington State pass offense to cover in this one at home. All right, and that takes us to uh, another matchup here. Um, Ohio State laying 14 on the road at Purdue. Off the Bosa news, uh, they got a couple guys dinged up here and there. It looks like Damon Arnett may be questionable. Cooper's upgraded to at least probable. Harrison, the linebacker, he's probable. Landers is probable. So they're going to get some guys back. Um, With that in mind, Farky, what do you got? I don't know about you guys, but I've kind of been waiting to see that game where they really struggle like they did last year in that Iowa loss. Um, certainly don't have a loss. They've shown some struggles here and there against some, uh, you know, much less opponents. But they've, they've still won safely, I guess you could say. I don't see this being the game where, where that happens and they go the opposite way. I think that they cover the team, even though it is on the road against Purdue. I've been cold on Purdue all year. Uh, I just... I just think it's a different year where having Haskins is just somebody who is going to continue to go off, continue. They're going to continue to put up points. He'll air it out. I don't think Purdue's pass defense is going to have 
much of a much of an answer, and they were ripped apart by uh, Missouri and Nebraska. So um, you put Haskins and factor him into that equation. I just think it's going to be too much offense for them to keep up fourteen. Memphis, Matt. man, I, I I see this game going two ways. I, I see it forty two seventeen Ohio State, or Ohio State winning by a field goal at the end, and Farkey's playing it the the way where it's going forty two seventeen. I you know I can't sit here and argue with him. Um, I I just. For some reason, I think Purdue's going to be up for this game. I, God, the linebackers and secondary for Ohio State are just so bad. And you know what? I'm, I'm tired of hearing about Tough Borland. That guy stinks. He should be delivering pizzas. I don't give a rat's ass about Tough Borland. Guy's a loser. Um, I, 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 this pains me, but give me Purdue. Yeah, I'm, I'm similar to you. I think there's two ways that this goes. I just – I. Ohio State hasn't covered either road game this year. Um, They they almost covered the TCU, but, uh, I mean, that was a game that was close enough throughout that I think it's suffice to say that ended, you know, at the fair side of it. I I think they win here. I think they struggle a little bit. Um, At first glimpse, though, I think it even opened at 13-and-a-half. I would like it a hell of a lot more, fourteen and a half. Uh, but I'm at fourteen. I'm comfortable enough. I'll, I'll I'll take the Boilermakers. I think they get up. The key for Purdue, they got to get touchdowns early if they want to keep this close. Can't turn the ball over, and they got to get a lead early too, uh, and put some pressure on Ohio State. Get the crowd into it, similar to what Penn State did. Uh, that's the formula if if you're if you're going against um, Ohio State. And if Ohio State comes out flat, they've struggled to run the ball points in time. Um, and I think they have a major issue on third and fourth and short. Like we've talked about this, Haskins' refusal to run and the plays they're calling, the, like they're not. It's not a match made in heaven, and it's really frustrating because if you know Haskins isn't going to run, then don't call those plays. And it's just like it, it. It's like slamming your head against the wall, thinking there's going to be a different outcome. It, it it's baffling uh, from a play calling perspective. So. Shill's with us on Purdue as well. Um, loves the 14, no doubt. Uh, so it'll be us versus Farkey, which has happened with OSU before. We've won some, we've lost some, so we'll see what plays out on this. Next one up, we got Vandy at the upstart UK Wildcats. Kentucky's laying 10.5. They're fresh off a bye. Vandy had a brutal loss to Florida where they really should have not only um, fully covered, we ended up a push. Should have won the damn game. That was a ten line at home. So this ten and a half here makes a lot of sense. Florida uh, lost to Kentucky at home. Um, so actually, you kind of get a little value from a number perspective. Uh, showing this has Kentucky. Uh, he's I I would imagine thinking similar to me. I think the bye week. I think Vandy got a lot taken out of him the couple weeks prior, and then even that loss to Florida. It was to the point at the back end of that where Florida was just marching down the field. Kentucky's physical enough that they're going to be able to, to to pound it with Snell, and I think physical enough up front that should be able to handle Vandy and Shermer and and some of their offensive um, kind of play calling. Uh, and kind of domin- dominate the line of scrimmage, similar to what Florida did as the game wore on in that. So I'm taking the Wildcat Cats here. Shills with me. Farky, where are you at? So let the record show this is a, uh, a block of a consensus with me taking a dog. <laughs> I'm going Vandy here. That, there's not a lot of those. But there's Ruin my take. <laughs> But in, in by no means am I saying Vanderbilt's going to win this game. But I'll give Kentucky a lot of credit for going out to Texas A&M and you know pushing that game in an overtime loss the way they did. Um, they do not throw the ball. It's all run. Everyone knows that. You stop Kentucky um, by stopping the run. Vanderbilt hasn't shown an ability to do that real well. But I think this is going to be more of a, a low-scoring game because of the fact that Kentucky's all run. I think that it's a low-scoring tough game. Um, I think that favors Vanderbilt's speed a little bit more. I think they have, um, you know, a few more athletes. Uh, I think it'll come down to the little things. Uh, Vanderbilt hasn't committed a ton of penalties. UK has had penalty problems. They've had some turnover issues, not as of late. Um, but I think that uh, if Vanderbilt can hang around, hang around a little bit, then, you know, they can keep this thing within 10. So give me a Kentucky win, but a Vanderbilt cover. All right, Nader. I'll tell you what. This is the 
absolute antithesis of Farky's faves here. Not only is he going Vandy getting 10 and a half, double-digit dog, but he's also blocking a consensus with a double-digit dog. I love it. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I think Kentucky has a bounce back here. Um, you know, Vandy's been king of the sneaky cover this year, but, you know, UK, they look good against Texas A&M. They've had a little bit of time to digest that one. Um, they are run heavy, obviously, um, and their running back talks more shit than anybody in the country for a running back, which is pretty impressive. Uh, I just think, you know, Kentucky, Kentucky's finally got a decent squad, um, and, uh, you know, hopefully they can build on that program. So I, I like UK at home. Um, I, you know, I like them 28-14 here, so give me the Wildcats. The interesting thing, and, and I know he's probable, but I got to think, Farky, the yours is really predicated on Keyshawn Vaughn playing. Um, college, it's sure. always, it's not like NFL. Probables sometimes don't play. They're dressed, and they're, it's just a whole show-me thing. So he, he missed the, the back part of the Florida game, and that was a major difference uh, for Vandy. So something to watch there. Obviously, Farky's banking on him playing. I think... I was figuring he'd play, but I don't think he'll be as effective, and I, I like Kentucky's front. So that's how we're, we're laying out for that one. The last one here, we got the Trojans after a big win against the Colorado Buffaloes that we talked about earlier. Uh, they go on the road to Utah. The line six, Utah's laying it. Memphis, Matt, what do you got? I'm going to keep this short for the listeners that are on this pod. Um, we talk about David Shaw all the time and how he's going to have mess-ups. I've got two words for you. Clay Helton. Um, those are the only two words I need. Uh, he's coming off a big win last weekend. He's going to lay a turd sandwich this weekend. Give me Utah. Yeah, I. I it's a clay bet. It's a JT Daniels. Um, I just think, like, you know, the riding high, it's so tough for young quarterbacks then to pit, flip back around and play well. And Utah and I know Farky might have this as his point. That's a sneaky, tough environment at night. A little colder, brisker um, than probably their, to their liking. I think it's probably a 50-degree game time. Might even be a little chillier uh, as the night wears along. So uh, I, I like the Utes in this one. I, I like it pretty um, pretty comfortably, actually, too. Shill's with us. So, Farky, you going to close up shop and make this consensus? I'm going to make this a consensus dog pick with Utah here. Dog. Oh, I'm sorry. They're, they're favorite. They're Never favorite. Mind. Damn it. I was, hoping, I, was, I was hoping I was going to have two here. Never mind. I no, you, like you ruined the dog pick when you didn't take Herm. That's fine. I've been fire on Thursday night games against you guys. So um, give me Utah at home here to Sean's point. They do bring it. Um, cool environment. Went to the Oregon game the year the, the dumbass from Utah dropped the ball at the two-yard line running into the end zone when Oregon was loaded that year. Ended up losing that game. Um, so one thing I think, and he's not a head coach. He's an offensive coordinator, but I was thinking about this. U, USC is loaded on offense. They have blowout potential every week with their offense. And T. Martin has been an abortion as an offensive coordinator over there. It's been horrible. And we, well, he, T. he Martin, hasn't... T. Martin's a He's a cruder. He ain't like an X and O guy. He's a cruder. Yeah, well, he's calling the plays. So whether it's him or the execution by the players, I don't know. But their their spark just hasn't been lit this year offensively. And Utah's defense is no joke. Their run defense is fourth in the country. Uh, who have they played that they've stopped the run? Michigan State, Iowa, Sean. Washington. I know you were big on Utah, Washington, Texas A and M. I mean, um, they got two guys out from targeting against Washington. One of them was. I mean, a the brutal schedule. So, I mean, but what I'm brutal. saying they're is, they're tested, and they're. I think this is a, a perfect spot. They're geared up for this. They're they're not. Yeah, they're number four against the run against those those teams that are heavy run offensive. So if USC doesn't get something going, I mean, it it has the potential to be a, a really nice. Uh, comfortable win for Utah, but I definitely like them to cover the six at home. Here. Yeah, I don't know if they'll be able to score enough to make it super comfortable, but I, I honestly, I see twenty-seven, thirteen makes. That's still kind of going off um, in my head here. So, uh, roll these up: consensus, Michigan, OU, NC State, Utah, three favorites, one dog. That said, I do have a couple. We talked NC State, Clemson over. We're not going to lock these in because we're going to circle back with show. But obviously, follow us on Twitter as we've. At NEG, uh, at NEG Pod CFB, 
and we will kind of get these out as we kind of move forward. We don't have any that will affect Thursday and Friday, so we will get those Saturday morning. Uh, the one one I'm going to offer up, and I know I feel like a broken record, but again, there's no reason this team should be laying double digits. Um whether they're home with their offensive line situation, one of the guys is officially out for the year. I love Wake ten and a half against Florida State. I I think it should be seven, and at seven and a half, I could get talked into. You give me an extra field goal. Florida State's not good enough to command this type of respect. I think they're going to win, but ten and a half is a lot, guys. What was their final last week? Florida State had a bye last week. They had a lot oh, of kids right. displaced because of the hurricane. Um, you know, a lot of travel. They had to leave. So they didn't get the practice through the whole bye week. Uh, and I think that's another factor that should be, you know, worth to play into this as well. So I'll throw I'm – with, I'm, I'm with you. With I, like, I like the fact that there's that extra field goal cushion you're feeling. So I'll, I'll ride with that. Nader? Yeah. I, I don't know as much as uh, about Wake and uh, Florida State as you do. So if, you, if you're liking that, then – my feeling is I've watched Wake three times now. They actually played. They didn't play well against Notre Dame. They they, they didn't play well against Camp Clemson. But they they have spots where they can move the ball. I think they're going to be able to do enough things with a couple of their playmakers on offense. It's going to be a sloppy, you know, trudge it out type game. But I don't think that Florida State's going to be able to consistently block them. I, I just I like Wake, so I think we'll pose that certainly to Shill, see what he thinks. It's a dog, so he might actually have some interest in it. And the other one, and I, I told you guys this in parentheses, yes, I'm serious. I love Rutgers against Northwestern this week. I can't believe oh, I'm, I'm saying that. But I love the 22, and it probably bumps up even more as the week goes along. If it gets up to 24, I think it's all locked and loaded with Rutgers. Scarlet Knights, baby. Let's roll. 22 is a, a lot of points, so I, I, I can't My whole disagree. thing is I think Northwestern's riding a massive high, um, and I'm going to play that into consideration what, as well. Hey, if you want to send it out to the listeners, uh, Memphis is getting seven this weekend at, at uh, Missouri. If you want to throw a little, you know, little, little sauce on Memphis, go for it. That's a horrible bet, by the way. Missouri's going to literally curb stomp them. Uh, so no take on Rutgers. I know it's it's Rutgers. It's I, I actually won't bet that game out of principle. You bet what Rutgers? You would bet Rutgers. No, I'm not. I'm not betting that game out of principle. Okay, so that's I, I, that sounds like a formal block, but uh, that will be one that I will be on at least. And my we, only concern, my concern with that would have been that they did show pockets of playing Ohio State and Michigan tough. Rutgers, no Northwestern. I was gonna. I was. That's right. Well, you're you're saying you like Rutgers plus yes. the twenty-two, right? Yes, I I I do. I, Rutgers, <laughs> Rutgers is freaking horrible, guys. But like, this is a kitchen sink game, and I just Northwestern's so precise that if they are off a little bit passing wise, then it's a glimmer of hope. What I will say about Rutgers' defense, they give up 240 yards rushing. They only give up 190 yards passing. Now, a lot of that's because teams are up 42 to nothing on them, and they're just running the ball down their throats anyways. But if they have a strength, and I use strength as loosely as possible, I suppose it's the fact that they can stop the pass a little bit. And if you can do that against Northwestern, you give yourself a chance Albeit, I'm not calling a money line here. I'm just saying 22 is a lot. Maybe it goes up a couple more ticks. You know, it might be worth a look. Oh, yeah, so, I, I want to preface that we don't throw out dogs. Every there there is zero chance they actually beat Northwestern. So let's be careful there with the money line. Fair enough. Is Ray Rice playing? I'm just curious. <laughs> I don't think, unless he's, we need Ray Rice and... Savage and about five other guys. Uh, Muhammad well, Sanu, maybe, too. 
Yeah, that's like your your comment last year. Kellen Moore ain't walking through that door this year. That was for Boise. That's right. All yeah. right, guys, you guys have any others? I know we got, we got a Memphis one that I vehemently rejected, but uh, uh, Farky, anything on your end? Oh, to hell with it. Why aren't we betting the Akron Kent State game? Um, we're split on that one. I mean, no, I know. I'm ki- I'm kidding. That was about as sarcastic as could be. So I think we'll also talk that 56 over on the NC State Clemson. So keep an eye on that. Obviously, we're hovering at 500. We're going to look to get at or above after this week through through the bets. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And hopefully, um, you know, our, our, our lead uh, analyst here, Nick in Akron, he, uh, he gets well and he's, he's back next week. And uh, we're talking on the other side and in the green. And we can start pushing towards bowl season, which – you know, if you followed us last year, we were in Fuego and Bowl season. So uh, that's what we're building up to, starting to hopefully get locked in a little bit, and uh, we'll see what shakes out with it. So you guys got anything else to add? No, go Zips, baby. Yeah. Well, let's uh, – Memphis, man, any, you know, nuggets or morsels of, of knowledge? Nah, I mean, you know, Nick Schill sucks, but, you know, we hope he gets better. Hope he's feeling better here soon, and uh, – you know, maybe he can stop with the uh, the old circle jerk. Okay. On that note, we will put a bow on this one. And uh, before we end up with the uh, NNC 17 rating, and uh, we'll call it for the week that is, the week that was, and the week that comes with uh, with the eighth of the season in college here. So uh, good luck to all, and hit us up with questions and on Twitter. Later. Later. These are the tales that I tell so well you don't like my dirty rap shit.